Welcome to Emotional Eating with Marilyn. My name is Marilyn Raffi and I am a pharmacist and have a PhD in genetics. I also have a subspecialty in the complications of diabetes and have been working in the pharmaceutical industry for almost a decade now. In season two of the podcast, we still aim to overcome our emotional eating behavior, but this time it is through our actions. In season one, we were more focusing on the thinking and understanding of our behavior. And of course, as in season one, I still see clients on a one-to-one basis. All information will be linked in the show notes. Who would have said that in 2023, the best way to treat diseases is to inject poo of healthy people in yourself? Hello everyone, so today let's talk about a healthy gut health, no pun intended. Let's talk about what is gut health, the benefits of it, what is the gut and what is the microbiome, uh, how to improve it and how to worsen it. So let's talk about all of this. And I want to start off with the important question, is gut health a social media fad? Is it a trend that's going to go away? Well, the answer answer is no. It is something that's going to stay with us. Of course, that's what I think. A lot of science and con- in big conferences where all the scientists meet and all the studies and everything, they're really talking about gut health. So it's not just social media, but it's really much more deeper. And I feel it's going to change the course of healthcare. What are the benefits of a good gut health? Well, there's a lot to start off with weight management and diabetes and all the, you know, the diseases linked to weight. So definitely a good gut health will improve your weight. It will also, it has been shown to improve mood, to improve response to exercise, response to medication and chemotherapy. Of course, all of those are new, uh, like uh, it's fresh from the press, if you want. So in order to really claim and do like strong claims and say, okay, a good girl health will improve X, Y, Z, we need more and more study robust. We need to repeat things over and over again. But yes, there is a lot. It's really like expanding and booming this um, in this field and what they're doing now a lot of studies basically they're it's called fecal transplantation very fancy word to say that they take the the feces the poo of the healthy people and they inject it or they put it in not inject but they put it in the gut in the intestines of people that are less healthy and they see that actually uh, good gut health you know all has all those benefits so this technique fecal microbiota transplantation fmt as i'm saying it's really booming if you could there is a repository in of all the clinical trials that are ongoing testing this technique and testing everything you can just go online and see what trials are ongoing in specific fields and for fmt for uh, fecal Uh, microbiota transplantation which is injecting poo or putting poo in different people Uh, there is 428 today so i just checked today 428 studies testing this technique so it's really really and real study like scientific ones not just um, you know mickey mouse stuff so really really i think it's not a social media fad and i think you would really benefit from listening to this episode this is an advert for better help so if you're listening to this podcast and thinking there are things i need to unlock in order to overcome emotional eating then better help is for you 
BetterHelp, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is an online platform that connects you to a suited therapist. You answer a few questions about yourself and the angle you want to focus on, and they will match you with a therapist. You can switch if you want to, completely free of charge, if your first match is not a good fit. And I personally know that starting therapy can be overwhelming. I was so scared and ashamed in my first few months. But then when I realized how it changed my life, I wanted everyone to benefit from this magic too. So with better help, there is less friction to start therapy. I will put the link in the show notes with all the details. Basically, it's betterhelp.com slash EEM. And by using this link, you help support my podcast and you get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. And I truly believe that therapy will help you understand the layers of your emotional eating. And as I say, it all starts with awareness, awareness and awareness. So for 10% off your first month, you just need to click on the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash EEM. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. So first question, what is the gut? Well, the gut is the gastrointestinal tract, which is basically uh, your, it starts with your mouth, then esophagus, then stomach, then small and large intestine, large intestine, we also call it bowel, and then the anus. And small and large intestine are the most important one for the gut microbiome. So we'll discuss and think of those. What's the function of the small intestine? Well, basically is to kind of absorb or send all the good nutrients to your bloodstream and then to every cell of the body. And the large intestine or the bowels of the biggest function, of, of course, they, uh, they have different functions, uh, which, uh, so the bowel is to produce feces, to produce poo. Feces is the kind of, um, I don't know, scientific word of poo. So this is their role. So in the small and large intestines, you have a lot of uh, bacteria, microbiome, basically we call it which is a combination of a lot of small, if you want, living creatures, such as bacteria, viruses, eukaryotes, etc. And there is a huge amount of quantity. quantity. Actually, Tim Spector, in his book, uh, Food for Life, he says that the ratio uh, gut microbiome to, to, to human cells is 1.3 over 1. So it means we have 30% more microbiome than our cells, So which is a huge, huge quantity. And then you ask yourself, who's at the top of the food chain is it us or the microbiome you know because basically they're eating our food also because everything that you uh, ingest they will also eat and also what they do they eat they take some of your food and then they produce other stuff they produce uh, hormones and or or affect your hormones they produce byproducts we call them some will be positive for your hormones and some will be negative so some will affect uh, satiety so hunger and satiety if you're full or not some will affect your mood, some will affect... Their, there was one study showing that um, they can affect your motivation to do exercise. So a lot of things, and it has been really, really shown. So this is robust uh, data uh, showing the effect of this on uh, on mood, on mental issues. So yes, there is this. We have good and bad microbiome. So we have those that are beneficial for us and those that are not beneficial for us. So when they're not beneficial... 
so we can have indigestion and things like that like that or we can have proper gastrointestinal infection and you know when you have nausea and vomiting and diarrhea and everything is because we have um, been invaded or our small in and large intestine have been invaded by uh, bad bacteria or by viruses uh, and then the body's trying to get rid of it so that's why we say in science because as you know i'm a pharmacist and this is what this is what we've been we've studied if you have uh re like nausea and vomiting for the first few days and let's say it's not really intense or it's not uh, you don't have high fever and you're not dehydrated you just let your body flush out as much as possible the body will take care of it and then of course if you have very high fever and then if you're really dehydrated and everything we, we start to do different things so this is the microbiome and with regards to emotional eating and weight management so for weight management there's a lot of studies that have uh, shown and they're small studies so it's not like uh, something that we can say for sure at 100 for everyone it's going to work but if you take the gut micro the, the gut yeah the, the microbiome of healthy or thinner people or people that don't have diabetes and you inject it you transplant it in obese or people with diabetes in some studies of course not all of them you saw people saw an improvement of um, you know, the condition, diabetes, etc. Same, I'm thinking, again, this has not been shown because emotional eating uh, uh, is, is quite a new, yeah, new discipline. But I'm thinking if um, the gut microbiome affects your satiety and your hunger and your mood, then having good gut health will help you having have a better relationship with food and will help you you not not have those cravings and will improve your emotional eating in general and i guess the real question is how can i improve my gut health my gut micro microbiome well you have different things i'll, I'll say from the mo least efficient to the most efficient uh, in my opinion so the first one is pills then you can take things like kefir yogurt and fermented food and then you can eat variety of food so let me explain one by one so the pills which are called the probiotic pills which are basically you're taking some colonies or some families of good uh, microbiome good bacteria so things like lactobacillus and things like that when you read the ingredients you will see like weird names this is the name of the colony of the family so imagine it's like if because in your gut health you have millions of families of of colonies we call them of gut microbiome so everyone will have a function different function and you need a lot of them in the pills you will have maybe 10 20 maximum 30 families if you want or colonies so in a way it's not they're not very detrimental because they don't have a lot of side effects but and you can buy them over the counter but the probability that in those microbiome in this probiotic you will get the exact colony that you need is very low and also the other drawback or negative thing of the, those probiotic pills is that you have to ingest them orally we call them so by mouth so they will have to cross the esophagus and stomach to get to the small and large intestine the stomach has a very very uh, very low ph very acidic so it will destroy a big proportion of those uh, bacteria or pro yeah those bacteria so the efficacy might not be that great 
I guess the only way f to know if the probiotics work is to try them. And if you start seeing changes in your gut movement, your bowel movement, you have you go less frequently or sometimes more frequently to the toilet, it means that actually you're changing your gut microbiome. Here, disclaimer, of course, Although I'm a pharmacist, I'm not your healthcare professional and I cannot tell you what to do and what not to do, what to take and what not to take because every medication has side effects and maybe for you they're not good, you know, maybe for someone else they can, they can be good. Usually in pharm you know, pharmacy and medicine, the way we choose whether a patient will require the medication, yes or no, is we weigh risk versus benefit. The risk of taking the medication versus the benefit of taking it and if of course sometimes it's it's a decision with the patient sometimes sometimes the patient doesn't is not involved in the decision uh, but you know with all those data we decide okay for you what's the benefit versus what's the risk so this is for the pills then the other thing you could do is eat all those yogurts, kefir yogurts and, you know, yogurt that are sometimes um, strengthened with specific uh, colonies of bacteria. So they add those probiotics inside. Yogurt naturally contains them, but also will have them. So this also will help. And there's also the fermented uh, food. So things like sauerkraut, pickles, kimchi and all of those things. Again, you have to be very, very careful because a lot of them contain uh, sugar and things like that. And sugar is really, really bad for the gut health. So if you take, um, you know, those drinks, kombucha and everything full of sugar, it's not going to help. It's just marketing. Tim Spector also, I think he says that you need to be careful on, uh, by the way, if you don't know who Tim Spector is, he's like the king of um, gut health. He has the app called Zoe. Um, basically, okay, I'll tell you later what the, apps, the Zoe app is. Just let me finish what he says about the pickled food and fermented food. I think he says if it's fermented with uh, vinegar or something like that, you just need to be careful because it kills some, uh, you know, the micro, like the, the bacteria and the, the good, the good um, germs, if you want. Um, so Tim Spector, he is a doctor and a scientist, and he created this app called Zoe. And of course, this is not sponsored. Like, uh, I don't think he knows. <laughs> of course, he doesn't know who I am and he doesn't care. But I just want to explain because his story is a bit interesting. And the idea is that this app, you just put uh, data and everything, and then they just can collect the data and get... Um, conclusion or in big population and what happened is that during covid a lot of people started to input some data and it kind of blew uh, it became so huge and they discovered a lot of things i think they were the ones that discovered that um, when you lose smell and taste it's actually a symptom of covid just because all of the patients were starting to input things on the data on the app and then but his his specialty is gut health so he talks a lot about uh, about this but i guess the optimal and the gold standard if you want to improve your gut health is to eat a variety of food uh, fruits vegetables some spices natural spices of course um, even uh, beans of coffee or you know raw cacao um cacao as they say <laughs> it always made me laugh cacao because I, I like i say cacao because in french we say cacao 
and in some countries they say cocoa. Anyway, I digress. Digress. Um, so you take so a variety of food, as I mentioned, and also nuts are very good. And again, Tim Spector, the king of gut health, what he discovered through the Zoe app and his studies is that if you have per week 30 different types of those foods that come from nature. So again, it's, it's not something that's processed. It's not that you have like a spice, um, I don't know, mixed with sugar or something. No, it's just real spice. Um, like fresh spices, ginger, fruits, vegetables, and everything. Count, try to count how many, and even herbs like uh, mint and dill and uh, basil and everything. Try to count how much you have in a week. It's hard to get to 30, honestly, um, and not processed. So this is the best way to improve your gut health. And what I'm thinking, which is so funny, is that we always do s studies and studies and studies to lose weight, to be, be more healthy and everything. We go around in circles and circles, and we always end up with the same conclusion of what our grandmothers would uh, tell us to eat. They would tell us to eat fresh food, don't eat too much meat, don't eat too much bread, don't eat too much pasta, have some fruit and vegetables. You know, it's so funny. Like, uh, yeah. So yeah, this is the way to improve your gut health. Basically, listen to your grandmother. Basically, if you think of it, everything that touches nature will improve your gut health, everything that's coming from nature, because all those uh, microbiome, where do they come from? They come from nature and we ingest them. There has been so much, like if you, if you think of it, the first antibiotic, I think, if I'm not wrong, was discovered in soil. You know, it's soil has natural antibiotics. I remember when I was studying pharmacy, we had a in a class called microbiology. It's about all the micro the my, microbes basically. I I used to love it. So we had to do an exercise. Everyone had to bring a bit of soil from a garden or somewhere, and we put them in a petri dish with some bacteria. And there were some of them where the bacteria did not grow because the soil contained natural antibiotics. So it was very interesting. So. Yeah, so everything that touches nature, just think it's good for you. Now, if we reverse it and think of how can we worsen our gut microbiome, basically, of course, there's this talk about antibiotics, they kill the bacteria and they like fuck up your gut. But if you think again, risk versus benefit, if you have something really big, um, like an infection, the risk of not taking the antibiotic will be very high and here i sometimes we have to think okay i want to be as natural as possible but i have to weigh the risk versus ben the benefits but we cannot deny that the antibiotics will affect your gut microbiome because their role is to kill all types of uh, microbes in your body, the good or the bad. And this is why after a long course of antibiotics, you have um, sometimes indigestion, constipation and things like that. But sometimes it is what it is. We just have to accept it because it might sometimes even save our lives, the antibiotics. Sometimes we forget how great those discoveries were the penicillin and everything because we live with them and we we don't we often say this in in science and in healthcare that when the medications and when the treatment are so powerful that people don't see the disease anymore sometimes they forget how the disease is deadly so anyway i digress because i just don't want some basically i'm saying this because i don't want people to be anti by anti-antibiotics so yeah the other way to worsen your gut health is basically 
having a low variety of food, eating always, always, always the same food, but also importantly, very important processed food and sugar. Processed food and sugar are the worst because the body doesn't have the hormones and the, the you know the tools to break them down. So they go into our, they stay in our gut, and like the body, I don't know, we, I don't think we know exactly why how it happens. There are several th- theories. Either it attracts bad, um, you know, bacteria, or also our body gets really slow, and the movement of the bowel gets decreased, and also increases some hormones like insulin and everything. But it has been shown; it has been we know that processed and sugar food they're very, very bad for gut health, but for also many, many reasons. Of course, no, uh, no guilt and shame here. We all live in a world, in a society where we we will like we will cave into temptation, and that's fine because if you never, never, never eat the foods that you like that are good, that are almost designed to be addictive, if you never eat them, then you're gonna binge. So just I guess for me is to give you this, the awareness, the knowledge. And then you will make a decision with the knowledge and you can decide because I think the worst thing is sometimes you have you buy products that have a lot of claims in marketing claims like it's healthy and full of vitamin D and everything and you think they're so healthy and for you you kind of restrict on other foods that you like but actually they're not. I've had also an episode with Dr. Sarah Hamid. I will link the actually the episode in the show notes. She's an endocrinologist and she discovered or she created a method called the full diet method. And she has a book on it. And she explains uh, how to basically lose weight. It's for her, it's for diabetic patients. It's not to lose weight, to look good or whatever. It's not for aesthetic reasons. It's for uh, health reasons. And her method is so good that it um, it's as good as bariatric surgery in some patients. And basically, she says that the body doesn't have the tools, doesn't have the machinery to break down processed food. And actually, it's one of the worst things to do. And also, she says that processed food, for her, the definition of processed food, I asked her in the episode, because it's really hard to know. She says, if you look at the ingredients and you don't understand some ingredients you're not supposed to understand them basically you also your body will not understand them this is considered um, processed food also if you have a lot a long list of ingredients for example if in the food you have three ingredients versus 15 i guess you know the answer the 15 one is the processed one So this is the information around gut health. What I want to say is that if you're still at the beginning of your emotional eating recovery journey, um, this might be for you to do a bit later on. Because if you have a very, very unhealthy relationship with food, even focusing on gut health will not or like will have limited results. I've created a method called the EEM method. I will link the podcast episode about this in the show notes. And also you can find it on my website, which is basically to start, you have to make the decision to work on your emotional eating and here heal yourself. Heal yourself about your childhood trauma, heal your relationship with food. And then at the end, which is the cherry on the top, uh, 
is to work on improving your eating you know behavior of course sometimes you have to change and you have to start with your eating behavior and everything but i it has been shown that people for example that have the eating disorders you have to like for, for example diabetics with eating disorders if you start treating the diabetes and the di- like giving them diets it's not going to work because their eating disorder will uh, take over Emotional eating is not an eating disorder, but it's it's in a range. It's before before getting to an eating disorder. Not like I mean, it's not a precursor. It doesn't mean if you have emotional eating that you will have uh, an eating disorder. Not at all. But what I mean is that it's not an eating disorder. So that was it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something interesting. I would love it if you could follow me on Instagram at Emotional Eating with Marilyn on TikTok at Marilyn Raffi. Otherwise, I'll see you next week on Friday, 5 a.m. UK time, 6 a.m. Central European time, midnight Eastern time, and on Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific time.